0: Alright everyone, here we are. Episode 1. Welcome to The Rich Webster Show. It is beautiful to be here. I am very glad to be here and uh, thank you all for listening and for being here for Episode 1. This is something I've been thinking about for a while and now really just felt like the perfect time to go ahead and launch it. I'm really creating this show as just a behind the scenes way to talk about what am I thinking about in my business? What am I working on? And how am I approaching running two multi six figure businesses in under 20 hours a week? And what I hope for you is that you're gonna learn some tools, some strategies, some frameworks, so that you can create your own one-person business, or if you already have one, enhance it, so you can have a business that meets both your profit and lifestyle goals, because that's what I'm all about. If you've been following me online for a while, you know that I really encourage people to think about building a business that fits into their life, rather than a business that is their entire life, right? So topics I hope to talk about, entrepreneurship, productivity, lifestyle design, social media, just design in general, creativity, and business. And uh, I hope this is gonna be pretty fun and pretty valuable for everyone. Now, I don't anticipate this being a highly produced podcast. When I sat down and actually kind of wrote out, what do I want this to be? How do I want this to help people? Uh, I figured this would be more useful and honestly <laughs> easier for me to put together uh, to give it to you more as like a weekly download of my thoughts on a topic or what's going on right now. Uh, This isn't really designed to be crazy high production value or a chart topper or anything like that. Um, As of right now, I don't anticipate having any guests on maybe that'll change in the future. But uh, I really want this to basically be the way I think about it in my head is like I have these conversations all the time offline with friends, with people in my network, with people that I work with. And uh, I feel like it would be beneficial to share them publicly. So it's just what I'm thinking about and what I'm doing. So if that sounds good to you, before we do anything else, do me a favor. This is the podcast ask, right? Please subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to this on. Drop me a five-star rating on Apple slash Spotify. And if you could be so kind to leave me a review, it does make a huge, huge difference and uh, helps people to realize, all right, this is something worth checking out. With all that out of the way for episode one, this is kind of like just an introduction, what's next, check in on where I'm at right now with my businesses and what I'm thinking about. So what I hope to cover today in this episode is one, why am I creating this podcast? What is the thought behind it? Why does someone decide to commit the time and resources to create a podcast when they already have a bunch of stuff going on? right, number two is I wanna just share a breakdown. It is July 6th, 2023 when I'm recording this. So we're basically halfway through 2023. I wanna share kind of what's going on right now in my business, what I'm thinking about, what I'm planning for, and uh, how I'm heading into the second half of the year. And then I didn't anticipate (laughs) adding this to the topic list, but basically last night at like 8 p.m. or so, I got a notification that the Instagram threads app went live. And uh, that basically sent everything into a tailspin. And I'm going to really share some of my first impression thoughts on the Thread launch and how you can take advantage of it and um, what I'm doing there just in the first (laughs) basically 12 to 24 hours since its launch. So probably you'll be reading this or listening to this. And this is like maybe five, six days after the launch. I'm recording it basically like immediately after threads dropped but I believe my thoughts will stay the same and I think there's some stuff in there at the end of the episode that's going to be really valuable to you so stick around for that and without further ado let's let's get into it so why I created this podcast right why would someone who is trying to work less and spend less hours at the desk want to spend more time creating a podcast and many of you don't know this about me but in my previous career, I have actually produced a couple of podcasts, including a nationally syndicated radio show. Uh, it was called The Richard Fowler Show. Went on for a long time, very early on in my career with my friend and business partner, Richard Fowler. Um, he's pretty cool. And uh, it was not, <laughs> it was not a, a business podcast. It was actually a politics podcast. I'm not a big politics guy, but I was the producer and the engineer and all that. So I picked up a lot of skills there. Um, so I actually have been working in podcasting for basically my entire career. Uh, I then went on to produce podcasts for some clients along the way, including um, I guess pretty notable person, um, Carly Fiorina. She was uh, the CEO of Hewlett Packard, um, first female Fortune 50 CEO, and um, she's an author. She's pretty cool. Um, She was a client and put together a podcast for her and I've done it for a couple of other people. So I do have the skills and it's not like I'm just jumping into the water for the first time with this. Um, But why did I actually create this podcast? I could tell you (laughs) that the reason I created this podcast was to serve you because I love to give and I don't want anything from you ever. And I'm just here to help everyone out. And I'm have no, you know, plans to ever make money or anything like that, which is, I think something that people do on the internet all the time. And I don't understand, right? Um, Anyone who's trying to grow a large audience online is trying to monetize that in some way. So reason that i am launching this podcast which is going to be extra work and don't get me wrong listen i love to help people i love to give um what's funny is that you know i have two hundred sixty-eight thousand followers on social media and the product that i sell um i basically have about 300 clients so that basically means that 0.11 percent of people have ever bought something for me. So the beauty of this business model right is 99. you know, 8 or what is the math? 99.89% of people will get all this hopefully free value that's really helpful to them and never buy anything from me. And then the small percentage of people that want to take it to the next level, they're welcome to. Anyway, let's take it back a step. Why would I launch this podcast? Transparently, And this is the information that I hope that you can use in your business as you think about what's missing, what do you need to do, what can you step back on? Uh, My business, I feel, had been missing something for a while, Um, and I heard this talked about on another podcast recently, and I liked how this was described. Um, Most of you probably know me from a couple of places. You probably know me from Instagram, maybe you know me from Twitter, and then maybe you subscribed to my newsletter. And on my newsletter, people read my writing, but they don't get to hear me talk in long form. And I think that the experience is completely different between writing and listening to my voice or watching me on video. And I don't do a ton of video content, not because I don't like doing it, it's just a lot of work to do. Um, whereas a podcast, I can sit down, I can record this you know, in one sitting in an hour, and it just goes out and i was listening to this podcast called creator science with Jay klaus and he was talking about how there's like two types of platforms and you want to have one of each online so there are discovery platforms which are things like instagram twitter TikTok, etc and they are platforms that are great for helping people who don't know who you are find you and you know, gain some awareness about who you are. And that's great. I, you know, love posting on Instagram. I like Twitter too. Um, We'll talk more about threads later on. Uh, But then there's a second type of platform called relationship platforms. And these are things like an email newsletter, or a podcast, or YouTube videos, or something long form. And there's a huge difference between these two um, because discovery platforms helps people to get to know you. And then uh, relationship platforms build that relationship and that trust. And I do have one relationship platform, which is email, Workless Wednesday, my weekly email, if you haven't picked that up. But I felt like I was missing part of deepening the relationship because normally what happens is a funnel would look something like this I'll, I'll give my business as an example right so step one is people discover me they check out my daily posts on instagram or twitter step two is hopefully i inspire them a little bit and they click on one of my lead magnets on productivity or business uh, i offer some free resources uh, i have a free you know, online course that people can check out. Um, I have some YouTube videos, stuff like that. And then the next step would be, all right, they engage and they take the next step and they sign up for my weekly newsletter. And then jumping ahead of step, step five would be to sell, right? You, whatever you're selling online, um, they may check out a webinar that I've got or sales page for my course, and maybe they buy something. And, You may realize realize that I went step one, step two, step three, step five, and I missed step four, which I consider to be the nurture step. And that is where you are building a long-term relationship with people who may potentially want to learn more about you, get to know you better, and become customers in the future. Um, so when you think about how you build out the steps of an education business or an online business, and you're kind of converting people from someone who knows nothing about you, doesn't even know your name, to a client or a customer, they need to go through this entire process. And the step that I was missing was a piece of long form content where I can really just share my thoughts on on business and uh, what's going on with me. So I am betting that this free resource is going to help build trust and drive people to want to join me in future live cohorts of how to work less my course, thus increasing my course conversion rate. So, so many people would say I'm launching a podcast because (laughs) I just love to give, right? And I do, I totally do, but at the same time, I also have a business and if I'm going to teach people how to run a business, I need to talk about why I make business decisions. So in this instance, I'm committing to an extra probably two hours of work a week. To put this podcast together, uh, in the hopes that one, a lot of people get a ton of value out of it, and two, the right people who are a fit for my course go on to get this information and then join us in the live sessions uh, when we kick that off in September. Okay, so like I said, the good news—you don't have to buy anything from me. This podcast will remain free for all of eternity. And if you just want to sit here and listen to me and get the value and apply it to your business, I love it. I've done that a million times. I have a ton of podcasts that I listen to who. I've I've never bought something from someone, so sit back, enjoy the ride. That is the thought behind it. But like I mentioned, ninety-nine point, you know, ninety-nine point eight nine percent of people will listen to this and never buy anything from me. And that—that's the beauty of the internet business model and, and free stuff. So I'm really hoping that this podcast is gonna be a place where I can talk about what's going on with my business, what trends I'm seeing, what am I paying attention to, what am I working on, just as important, what am I not doing, right? What do I feel like is not worth the time right now? And uh, hopefully also be able to share with you a little bit of behind the scenes on specifics that I don't necessarily talk about, um, income reports, how I'm planning my business, what I'm thinking about, et cetera. Um, so that's kind of my thoughts on why I created this podcast transparently. I think you're going to get a ton out of it and I'm excited to to start it. But last thing I will talk about since I thought it was interesting and I had some conversations. How did I come up with the name for this podcast, right? Okay, so it's pretty self-explanatory that the Rich Webster Show is the name of the show and that's my name. But I actually had an important decision to make that is a useful lesson and it's why did I pick the name The Rich Webster Show as opposed to some other brand name that I'm associated with, right? A lot of people that follow me online, they probably know me as the work less guy or work less, earn more, or how to work less or something like that. And I think there's a really important branding lesson in there. Why did I not just name this podcast The Work Less Show with Rich Webster or um, Work Less, Earn More with Rich, you know, or whatever, or How to Work Less, right? I could have called it any of these different names. And uh, it comes back to a branding lesson and a decision that you have to make about where you're looking towards long term. So if I named it the How to Work Less Show, for instance, that's basically dialing me in forever that this is going to be a show where I talk about how to work less and nothing else. Whereas if I picked The Rich Webster Show, as the world changes and my interests change and I continue to talk about different things, I am not niching down so deeply that it limits what I'm available and what I'm able to talk about long term. So when I think about recording a podcast or creating content online, you really have to think about the fact that you're creating an asset that will serve you into the future for a really, really long time. And uh, if I don't name it The Rich Webster Show and I call it The Work Less Show or whatever, that is limiting my ability to continue to evolve and to talk about things. I mean, I've been posting online for only two years and I cannot tell you how much has changed in just 24 months. And I think the only thing that should stay constant, you know, in a always changing online world is your personal brand and your name. So I actually went ahead and picked The Rich Webster Show for that reason. And you may find this useful as you're thinking about, like, you know, do I create a website with my name or with my brand's name? Or do I create my social media account with, you know, my niche or with my personal name? And I'm a big fan of the personal brand because I think that things change really rapidly online and a quote unquote good niche could be bad in six months. I mean, just think about, (laughs) I don't know, just think about like if you were at, you know, the crypto guy um, in <laughs> 2022. And now that has kind of gone out of fashion, or maybe, you know, today you're the chat GPT girl. And six months from now, you know, it's been replaced by something completely different. So I think building a personal brand is the best way to do that. Uh, another consideration that I thought about and something that people don't think about until it becomes a problem is potential copyright issues. And one of the things that I did was I put all of these names into Google to see what podcasts were already out there. And it turns out there is a work less podcast and someone else has a podcast called work less earn more. Now they're not really about the same topics as me, but you do not want to be in a situation where you get a cease and desist or you are in litigation before you even start, right? That's an unforced error. Now, if I wanted to name it, how to work less, podcast, I would be fine to do that because I actually do have a copyright for how to work less. Um, I filed it a while ago and no one can infringe on that. So I do actually own that phrase, but something else to think about and just having a personal brand allows you to steer your content with your interests as you continue to evolve. So just one thought. So that's pretty much it on why I created the pod. Uh, And I want to go into kind of just what's going on now, give you a little background on if you don't know too much about me, where I've been, where I'm going, and what I'm kind of thinking about right now. So just the quick background on me, if you're not super familiar, or maybe you just follow me, this is your first time listening to me talk. I've been running a creative business for the last 10 years or so. It's called Richard Media Company, Um, and for the longest time, I was really not engaged (laughs) in any meaningful way with the internet, with uh, social media, with content creation personally. Uh, I was really just doing my own thing, and uh, the thing that I was most obsessed with was figuring out how to really run a streamlined business after hitting a period of pretty severe burnout maybe five, six years ago. Uh, I got to this point where I was you know, working 50, 60, 70 hours a week, and I felt like I had nothing to show for it. I wasn't making a ton of money. Um, I felt like all my time was spent working in my business and not on it. And you know, as someone who's always loved entrepreneurship and having my own business, it was just not sustainable, and I figured that I needed a way out. And uh, that's when I started going down the rabbit hole on business, productivity, marketing, sales, et cetera. And all of this was before I ever posted once online. So I was really just doing this, (laughs) kind of doing my own thing, not interested in social media, not trying to get clients or customers from social media and just in my own world, basically, you know, getting clients the old fashioned way um, in IRL clients. And uh, in 2020, I actually hired uh, a business coach who you may know, his name is Chris Doe. You can follow him online at the Chris Doe. Probably, you know him better than you maybe even know me, Uh, but I actually hired him. And at at that point, I had kind of already got to the point where I had figured out how to remove myself from my business and automate a ton of things. And I figured out some sales stuff and figured out how to make more money. Um, But working with Chris for maybe the first six months, like just put me into the stratosphere. And he really helped me with delegation and learning a bunch of tools around that to the point where probably six months after that, I was making 500K working 10 to 15 hours a week running my business. Now I was pretty close to that um, before Chris, but that was the last piece of the puzzle, in my opinion, that I needed. He just kind of helped me with some mindset stuff, some delegation stuff, some sales stuff, and it was just like putting lighter fluid on what I had going on. I would say probably I was working 20 hours a week making 300K before that, something like that. Um, And I am actually going to put together a lesson. One of the things that I want to talk about is I want to go back and review my notes from those coaching sessions. Uh, I think I've maybe done, I don't know, between eight and 10 of them and download some of the... Frameworks, distinctions, strategies, tools that Chris shared with me and bring them to you. So look out for that. I'm probably going to release that episode in the next couple of weeks. And it's something I'm excited about to be able to go back and review those notes. And uh, so what happened was I worked with Chris in 2020 and we were meeting probably monthly to every other month. And uh, as I kind of got dialed in, you know, we started talking about like, well, what's next? What do you, you know, what do you do after this? Your business is pretty much running itself. It doesn't take a ton of work. And, uh, you know, we talked about it and he kind of suggested, you know, maybe you should consider posting a little bit online, um, and, you know, post on Instagram for the first time and just see what happens. And I, I kind of took that suggestion, not really thinking anything of it. I was not, trying to build an audience or trying to sell anything online. And, uh, it turns out that what I was doing was unusual. And the reason that Chris was suggesting it was because I was doing something that not a lot of people that he worked with were doing. And, uh, I kind of just started sharing my story on social media, how I think about business. Um, you know, my thoughts on figuring out how to run a really, really productive business and use the tools of productivity to design your business. And, uh, Yeah, things blew up really fast. Uh, Fast forward 24 months later, you know, over 250,000 followers on Instagram, you know, 10K on Twitter. Um, I've been teaching a course for a while and yeah, things have been going pretty good. So that's the the basic background on me. But I want to talk about what's going on now as of July, 2023. And I kind of broke this down into four sections in terms of my business. And I wanna just give you a little background about each piece of them, how I think about them. And my hope is that I will do deep dives on each of these in further episodes. So don't expect this to be the entire thing, but I'll give you the kind of like four pillars of what I've got going on right now. So number one is obviously my creative business, my design agency, which is Richard Media Company. Uh, It's a full service design agency and full service basically means that when clients hire us, they get everything, right? Everything is on the table, graphic design, branding, websites, videos, etc. So in a lot of ways, we are trying to replace a company from having to hire a creative director or a senior graphic designer, and they bring us on instead, and we can do everything for them, um, all under one roof. Now, we charge... When I say we, I mean me, but I'm just so used to talking, take we when I talk to clients. Um, but I do have a team of freelancers that I work with. So that's sometimes the we. Minimum rate is $60,000 per year. So we will not take on a project for less than 60 grand a year. And that'll either be a retainer of $5,000 a month for 12 months or a $60,000 project or some combination of the two. So maybe we start with a $30,000 project and a 2500 a month retainer and we go from there. So in terms of financials and financial reporting, if you're curious, uh, the business did in 2021, $520,000 in revenue of which the vast majority of it was profit. Now I can't get into too much specifics about profit because your goal as a business owner is to invest as much money back into your business so that your tax burden is as low as possible but let's say that my direct expenses associated with fulfilling are anywhere between just 10 and 20% of that revenue. Uh, But I do try to take on as many other expenses as possible to keep that tax burden low. So the business did $520,000 in 2021. I just went back and looked at my time tracking and I was working only about 10 hours a week running the business in 2021. Fast forward to next year, I just got my tax information back like a month or two ago. And I did $479,000 in 2022, which is a little bit less, not much less. And um, the beauty of this was I actually figured out how to half it and get even more efficient. And it was only about five hours a week of work that I had to devote to this. Um, Now I have zero full-time employees. The vast majority of the people on my team everyone on my team is a contractor or a freelancer. I have about 10 to 15 people across all skill sets, animators, developers, designers, copywriters, project managers who work with me on projects. Um, and they're kind of my like all-star roster who take care of most of the work. Most of them are actually better than me, which is a nice thing about running a business like this. And, uh, you may be wondering like, okay, so how does this all work? Um, It's actually not too hard to get to $500,000 in revenue over the course of a year if you are focused on serving clients that are on retainer where you want to build relationships for years. So most of my clients I've been working with for anywhere from two to five years um, and they're on retainer and we have been their creative service provider this entire time. Um, Right now, I think there's maybe six on retainer and I might take on one to two more one-off projects over the course of the year. Now, if you want clients that can afford to pay you $60,000 a year, the big mistake I see people make is they target prospects and customers that can never afford them. (laughs) That is the big mistake I see people make. If you want to find clients that can pay you a lot of money You need to find clients that make a lot of money. So we look when we look for potential new clients at customers that are big organizations, you know, bringing in over a million dollars in revenue a year. uh, Often they're nonprofits, and um, yeah, that's that's general the thought process behind it is scale the business by increasing rates and working with clients for a long period of time. Now that's just the cliff notes of the design agency. I want to do a whole episode on the business model, how I got into it, kind of the strategies and tactics that I've learned, but I could easily talk for like <laughs> a long time about that. So I'm going to leave it there. Um, but the one behind the scenes thing for me in July 2023 that I'm thinking about, you know, because we are speaking transparently here, is I am looking towards maybe in a year from now, maybe in a couple years from now what it may look like eventually, shockingly, you know, such a profitable business, why would you ever consider this? Shockingly, would it make sense to close down the business or to severely limit the amount of clients that I take? And you'd be saying like, Rich, why would you ever close down a business that is so super profitable and doesn't require a ton of work? And I'm not there yet, but I'm in pre-contemplation. And the reason for this may surprise you, Although it is not an insane amount of work, you know, five to 15 hours, maybe 20 maximum, but most weeks it's five. Um, It does take mental work and the five to 10 hours that I will spend on this agency work is hard work. I have removed everything that is easy from my plate and when I'm doing agency work, I am really focused on like high stakes, high level strategy, high level brand design, managing clients, important conversations, and it is serious work when I'm actually doing it. Uh, You know, I'm not just sitting down and twiddling my thumbs and billing hours here. It is like serious client work. So the idea that, you know, just because it's five to 10 hours, they are not easy hours by any means. Okay. I've been doing this for a decade now. And if I were to ever close it down, the reason would actually make a lot of sense if you looked at it on paper there will come a time when the marginal value of the next hour of work that I get from my design agency is worth less than the next hour of work that I will make from my education business, from Work less LLC, from you know my online consulting course education business, right? That kind of stuff. So there's going to come a point where it actually makes more sense for me to spend those five to 10 hours on the other business and let go of the agency. Other reasons that I may consider it at some point, the work is not leveraged. It is leveraged in the sense that I don't have to do all the work, but it is basically glorified trading time for money. At the end of the day, I've created this team and all these systems and all these automations and everything to run my business, but I get paid and that's it. The second the work stops with the clients, there is no more money to ever come to me. Whereas with my work less business, the time is leveraged and every hour that I spend, I like for instance, recording this podcast, I'm building an asset that will work for me forever and continue to generate sales and continue to generate income, whether it's building a product or an audience or content, right? These are all leveraged assets. And the bottom line is I will never be able to get my hours of work at my agency down to zero. Um, there is no agency without me. I am required to manage these relationships and to do everything there. So even at five, 10 hours a week, it's never going to get down to zero hours of work. It's not a sellable business and it's not an asset. It makes great money. I figured out how to master the art of running it, but it is just doesn't have the same long-term potential because at this point, to scale this thing anymore is pretty much just gonna require more hours from me. So I could probably get this thing to a million and I would have to double my hours and maybe I'm working 20, 30 hours a week because it's just gonna require double the clients. And there's a certain amount of hours that i have to put in in order to make that happen and after 10 years in the game i don't know if that's where i want to be forever i love what i'm doing on this side of the business Um, creating content talking with other business owners continuing to learn new stuff it is just like so exciting and cool and uh, the agency is a is a decade in the making and i'm an expert and i know exactly what i'm doing But the opportunities for learning are just not there the same way that they are with the other business. Will I shut this thing down anytime soon? Probably not. But this is something that I'm thinking about as I do my planning. And who knows, maybe a year from now, maybe two years from now, things could change as my other business continues to grow. But I thought that was interesting. People would be surprised to learn that that's even something that's on the table. Okay, so number one is the design business. Number two is I have this audience online, and one of the funny things about having an audience online is like it's a, you know, I don't know, a monster that you can never stop feeding. Um, And as a result, you have to create content regularly, weekly, for pretty much ever, and although I've built an incredible amount of systems and most of the business is automated, the one thing that can never be you know, outsourced in my opinion, I guess you can, but you can hire writers and creators and things like that, is the writing of my content. So we put out um, you know, three to four carousels on Instagram a week, two reels. I write my weekly newsletter. Now I have this podcast. And uh, that whole side of the business, the content side of the business is run by me, my assistant and the designers and animators from my agency who also work on this side of the business. So I I hire them to help with these tasks. What I do in this business is I try to limit myself to strictly the things that no one can replace. And at this point, it's basically thinking and writing. And speaking, and uh, everything after that is delegated to a member of my team or automated to the best of my ability, and strategy. Obviously, I forgot to mention that as well. I guess that's thinking. Yeah. So that's the second part of the business is this, you know, content piece, and I'll I'll do a whole episode on this. So for each of these, I want to do a, a deep dive on each of them. All right. Next thing down the line is the primary way that I make money from my online business, which is my cohort-based course, which is called How to Work Less. Uh, the course runs for basically a month. We have an upcoming cohort number five in September. So this is the fifth time I have taught this course. We make it significantly better every time. I have you know hundreds of students that have taken it that love it. Um, you can check it out if you're interested at learn.howtoworkless.com. And uh, I basically teach people who have a business how to turn their business into a lifestyle business, which basically means that you learn all the steps, strategies, frameworks, tools that I use to design businesses where I don't have to do all the work. So the right strategies, how to say no to things and how to eliminate things from your schedule, automation, building systems, delegation, that's the main thinking behind the course and it's doing really well. Last cohort, it earned $110,000 in revenue and I teach it three times a year. So if nothing else changes easily on track for, 350K to 400K in revenue from this course alone. I also make a couple pennies here and there from doing some kind of influencer stuff, some brand deals, stuff like that. But uh, I I try to stay away from that because I find that the time is just better spent either creating content or improving the course. And uh, yeah, the goal here is to get this business to the point where it's earning a million dollars a year in revenue. And I think we have a pretty realistic path to get there. Um, My audience is continuing to grow. The business is doing well. Our student results and testimonials are insane out of this world. The results people get are like, 20 times what they put in for the course. And the course, I don't think for what it is, is that expensive considering how much you get out of it and you get access to me and all that good stuff. Um, so yeah, the goal for that business is a million a year. It's gonna look like probably about 200 students a cohort to get to that goal. On average now, you know, we're trending towards 100 a cohort. So there's there's some work to do there. But I think that there is no doubt that this will get there um, in the next 12 months, if I had to guess. And then once this course is doing a million a year, then I will probably consider my next product. But the mistake I see people make online so often is um, they spread themselves way too thin and they launch five different products and coaching and you know a cheap product and a medium product and a mastermind and a course and all this stuff, when really they need to take one product and focus on it and make it the best product possible and take one thing to a million. Cause I believe that any good product online with the right audience can earn a million dollars. I've heard that shared a lot. So, you know, it's this framework of one product, one traffic source, something like that. And, um, that's what I'm focused on because there is such a temptation to, start selling other courses and things like that. And like, I just have stuff ready to go, but I know that how to work less. The course is, it's a winner. And I think all my energy should be there until I feel like it's maxed out. And we're not even close right now. Number four, this is probably the most interesting thing that I've got going on and something that I've only really teased online, but I feel Fully comfortable sharing it with um, people here. And this is kind of towards the content side of my business as well. I don't really necessarily consider this to be a product the same way a course um, would be. And that is that I am gearing up to write and pitch a book, which is pretty sweet. Uh, And I'll, I'll give you the story behind it. So I was uh, approached by an agent maybe four months ago, something like that. Um, He is a former exec at one of the big publishing agents and he followed me on Instagram and he seemed to think that what I was writing about would be a perfect idea to shop around for a book to major publishers. So some kind of how to work less book. And, you know, I investigated, I did a bunch of research because one of the things that you're always going to ask yourself is, does it make sense to go traditional publishing versus self-publishing? And I'll probably do a whole episode on this and give you all the insights and things that I learned. But the TLDR on this is that if you go with a major publisher, pretty much whatever your advance is, is what you should expect to make out of it. Books really do not go the distance to the point where they recoup their advance and then continue to make more money because publishers just sink so much money into it. So for me, the conversation I had with my agent um, as we're starting this process, I was like, listen, it's going to take me some time to put together the treatment and the pitch for this book. If I want to sign a deal with a publisher, I need to get an advance of $100,000 to $150,000 minimum. And the reason for that is I could just go out and teach another cohort and spend all that time teaching a co- cohort to make that money. And if I'm not going to make that much from a major publisher, it's going to be much more advantageous to me to put together a self-published book and just sell it directly to my audience because I do have a large audience. I've got, you know, 250k on Instagram, I've got a nice 20,000 person email list and I just can't take anything less than that from traditional publishers to make it worth my while, because basically your advance is the ceiling of what you're going to make, right? It's the maximum of what you're going to make, you know, 0.01% of books earn out past their advance. Like it just doesn't happen very often. And uh, yeah, so right now I had that agreement with him. If we can get a deal done with a major publisher, uh, I will write the book, the book is probably going to happen either way um, because I've written so much content. I mean, I've written probably tens or hundreds of thousands of words already, and uh, there's a book in there already. So I just need to put together a pitch, which I'm going to be working on over the next couple of months, and uh, we will see where this lands. But the idea is if the publishers believe in the project and they're excited about it, they'll put up the money for the advance. And if they're not not really a big deal. I didn't lose anything. Um, I did work that, you know, should have been done anyway. And I can always take this idea and self-publish it and, you know, bring it directly to my audience either way. So that's it. That's what I'm working on right now. On average, all of this stuff, um, book excluded. So the cohort-based course, the audience and the agency, probably about 20, 25 hours of work a week. Um, five on the agency, 15 on all of the other stuff. And uh, yeah, it's pretty good. I really try to stop my work day after four or five hours if I can help it. And uh, yeah, I just like don't wanna do what it takes. To, <laughs> I don't wanna lose out on the rest of my life in order to make a little bit more money, you know? And I have a lot of hobbies. You know, People always ask me when they take the course, like, well, I don't know what I'm gonna do if I stop. You know, if I work five hours a day instead of ten, I'm like, listen, come to me. I've got plenty of ideas of stuff that you could do. Um, I have a bunch of hobbies. I, you know, love music. I like, you know, watching live music. Um, I'm interested in health and. Uh, Some of the other stuff that I've done in the past was I went down the rabbit hole on video games and I was actually a pro gamer. Maybe I'll tell that story at some point. That's an episode in and of itself, but I was actually a really like high ranked pro gamer in this game called Hearthstone and I actually won a bunch of tournaments, made money, you know, got flown across the country, got free computers. Like it was crazy. That was an interesting phase in my life. Um, as we got really into fish tanks and aquascaping for a while. So I have no shortage of hobbies if you need to know what to do with your free time once you free it up. Um, yeah, so that's basically where we are right now. And uh, I'm probably, you know, I, I generally think about my year. Oh, by the way, you know, just for reference, um, for the summer I'm living in our kind of book retreat apartment, which is what I'm calling it, which is a vacation place in Asheville, North Carolina, can spend a lot of time outside, go hiking, all of that good stuff. And I'm really focusing on, you know, putting this treatment together in this kind of book retreat office that I'm calling it. And then we're based in Philadelphia. Um, That's the home base. So when I think about my year, I really kind of do all of my yearly planning in what I call sprints. And each year has three sprints because each year has three cohorts of my course. So we do cohorts January, we do it in May, and we do it in September. And then in the three months in between each cohort, because during the cohort, that's really the only thing that I focus on is working with the students and the clients. And then the the three months in between, I do what I call a sprint and in each sprint, I evaluate all of the possible goals that I could do. I end up dumping down a list, it's super long, and I select just a tiny few to focus on. And the rule that I've created with myself is that any new ideas can't be acted on until the next sprint comes around. So I have to pick, you know, two to five things. And I say, nothing else can happen in the sprint until all of these are done. And, uh, then I will add new things to the list. So let's say for instance, you know, you get a bright idea in sprint two, which is what I'm in right now. And I say, Oh my God, you know, I need to, I don't know, start a YouTube channel or, um, something like that. You know, there's a million different ideas that come, or I need to launch a new product or whatever it is. Um, I put that on the list and I'm clear with myself that great, you know, if you want to do that, put it on the list for sprint 3 and if you decide to take it on you can. And I'll do a, another episode on my yearly planning, but sprint 2, which is where I am now, which is from June to August, you know, book-ended by cohort 4, which is in May, and cohort 5, which is in September, is um, focused on these goals. Number 1, launching the podcast. Look at that, we're basically done with that. Number 2, finishing my book pitch, which is not insanely long. You know, it's probably only five, uh, 10 to 20 pages or something like that. Um, and then goal number three is hitting the 100 student enrollment mark in cohort five of how to work less, which I think we're definitely on track to do, which is great. Um, run my design agency business as usual, um, keep that thing going good. And honestly, just enjoy my summer and any other extra time besides that should be spent enjoying my life you know because it's the summertime in in the states so that's basically it when it comes to what's going on right now what's going on in july 2023 i've got a lot of other topics and you know i could just dive deep on any of these but the last thing i want to cover since it is so timely and hopefully this will just give you a sense of the information and the type of stuff that i'm going to talk about and share with you because this is so so timely is I want to share my thoughts on the Instagram Threads launch. Now, if you've been living under a rock or you don't pay attention to this stuff, Instagram just basically launched their new app 12 hours ago from when I'm recording this. Um, But when you're hearing it, maybe five days ago or something like that. And um, it's called Threads and it's supposed to be a Twitter killer. It's basically a clone of Twitter and it is um, kind of the same thing. Honestly, there's not much of a difference. I would say the only difference is there are less features and it is heavily, heavily integrated with the Instagram platform in a lot of ways, which which I'll share with you. And uh, why is this so important? Why am I talking about this? First of all, oh my God, if you're a creator in 2023, how the hell do you keep up with all these platforms? And I really think that You know, if you can stick, if you're early on in the process, it makes the most sense to be really focused on just one discovery platform and one relationship platform. Um, So Threads would be a discovery platform. Now, with that out of the way, I will make the argument that potentially Threads should be your discovery platform of choice right now. And, uh, you know, I'm at the point where I have 250,000 Instagram followers and 10K on Twitter. And it kind of makes sense for me to expand to a second or third platform. But even with two or three, there's still so many more out there, right? There's TikTok, there's LinkedIn, um, there's YouTube, there's just a million things. And I I just never want people to think that they need to be everywhere um, because until you hit you know, 10K or 100K on any one given platform, your effort is much better used to be extremely focused on one social media platform. With all that out of the way, I believe that this Threads launch is one of those once every couple of years opportunities if you have a creator business or you are trying to start one. And in Work Last Wednesday, I don't remember what issue, you could probably figure it out, Um, I actually went back and I talked about Clubhouse. And if if you remember Clubhouse, it was one of these platforms where, you know, it launched, it was an app, it got really, really hot, everyone was on it, it burned super, super brightly, and then it burned out completely. But what people don't remember about Clubhouse is the early adopters on Clubhouse really, Took the lion's share of the rewards, and the example that I give in Work Less Wednesday when I'm talking about this story is my coach Chris Doe, and he was a clubhouse fiend. He was on there like literally 24/7. I could never do this. Uh, I get I get tired after <laughs> an hour or two of public speaking, but he would be on clubhouse rooms all day long, and he built a massive, massive audience on there. And you think, okay well, that actually sucks, right? Because no one's on Clubhouse anymore. But what Chris did was he built this huge audience on this new platform with all of this discovery, and then he brought them over to his other places, right? He brought them to his YouTube channel. He brought them to his Instagram and his Twitter. And that is really the beauty of this opportunity with Threads right now. What happens when a platform is early is it is way, way, way easier to grow. It is basically like free discovery right now. um, Because for Instagram's perspective, they want you to be using their platform. They are going to juice the discovery. They're going to juice the impressions. They're gonna juice the growth because they want people using their platform. Now you're gonna see in maybe six months, maybe 12 months, a bait and switch. And all of a sudden threads is going to be just an ad cesspool because that's always going to be the goal, right? You know, it is going to turn into an absolute nightmare of ads. But right now there are zero ads. It's free discovery. It's basically the Wild West. And you can also take advantage of the fact that their algorithms are not dialed in. They are really just figuring out how to make this thing work. And being early on a social platform is an absolute game changer right now. Now, I have the benefit of being in the right place at the right time when it comes to threads personally. Threads really incentivized people with Instagram audiences to come over and they basically are auto suggesting that you follow everyone on threads who you already follow on Instagram. So for me, that is just an insane boon because I picked up 10,000 followers on threads in 12 hours by doing nothing, just by virtue of the fact that I already had an Instagram account with a sizable audience. But what I'm seeing and what I think is the opportunity here, if you are trying to create, uh, have a creator business or really plant your flag on a new platform is to get on threads early. And listen, I do not take something like this lightly. The last thing I ever wanna tell people to do is do more work (laughs) than they need to. Um, But right now I feel like the returns are extremely outsized when it comes to threads. Um, If you are a good writer, if you have something interesting to say, you don't even have to show your face on there. If that's something that you don't like about short form video and Instagram, this is just a really, really good time to get in on the ground floor. So if that makes sense for you, I think threads is a huge opportunity. Um, Just think about like, okay, you know, imagine if you were on YouTube, right? In the first year that it was created and look at it now or imagine if you were an instagram og and you had an instagram account when it first started that is the opportunity that is going to be present with threads and i honestly do not think it's going to die i don't think it's going to be a clubhouse there are just so many differences it's a proven formula twitter is dead or dying There are just so many reasons to get off twitter and get onto threads and i don't know it's in my opinion it's free money It's free audience, it's free engagement, it's free discovery. And you don't get these opportunities every once, you know, it's probably every couple of years that one of these comes around. So a little food for thought. I will update this in a week if uh, I have some more insights or if I (laughs) decide, oh, I've made a huge mistake and you shouldn't be on threads. But for me right now, I think this is a big, big opportunity for everyone. And it's worth at a bare minimum checking out and just putting together, uh, a profile and, uh, following me at rich webs on threads, but you probably already are because Instagram basically did it for you automatically. So that's the last thing. So we covered a lot today in the first episode. I, I generally, I think these apps are going to be 30 minutes, um, but I had a lot to talk about and, um, yeah, so I'll be dropping these weekly every single week. Uh, We talked about why I made the pod, what I've got going on, and my thoughts on the thread launch. And with all that, uh, I'm going to use this chance to wrap it up. I said it at the beginning, if you enjoyed this, please, please, please do me a favor. Subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to me on. Drop me a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify and just leave a review. It makes a huge difference, and it will only take a second of your time, and I really appreciate it. And I will be back next week with something new and exciting for you. And thank you for sticking along for the journey. Send me a message on social media or an email. Let me know if you liked this episode, what you want to hear me talk about. And I will see you all very soon. Have a great week.